0: Isn't it exciting to see our young people serving the Lord and yeah. choosing to follow Him and declaring that so that everyone knows? What a cool thing to get to experience and see those testimonies. Well, those for those of you that don't know who we are, I am Chantel, and this is my husband, Brad, and we love this church, yes. and we are excited to be here, and it's a treat to be here with you guys today. Now, as newlyweds, we actually came here and served on the team here for five years i was kids ministry he was worship and um, it was just a fun experience and we love the people here now we've been married for 12 years and we have four beautiful boys our oldest is david he'll be seven on the 14th and he is our helpful bundle of energy that kid can go many different speeds And then we have our second, which is Noah, and he's five, and he's our very creative, artistic, very deep feeler of a child. And so then we have Micah, who is our four-year-old, and he is our protector. He has to protect his brothers and his family. And he's also our straight shooter. So if you wanna know what's really going on, you just need to talk to him. And then our final one is Gideon, who is our two-year-old. He is our adrenaline junkie, a.k.a. baby ninja. (laughs) That kid wants to keep up with his three older brothers and does it very well. Well, for those of you that are doing the math, yes, we did have four children in less than five years. And for those of you wondering, no, we're not trying for a girl. In fact, I finally get the girl when we get a puppy in September. So I won't be the only female in the house, and I'm so excited. And we are excited too to be here with you guys to be able to share what we feel like god has been speaking to us with you and hopefully bring you guys some encouragement
1: whenever peter invites us to come and speak he always asks what's burning in your heart what is it that god's been speaking to you in real time what is going on in your life and share basically from what jesus is up to in your own life and so what we're talking about today is very fresh two weeks ago i remember we were having a phone conversation Mm -hmm. i was up at the top of Tumwater Hill at the end of C Street at the cul-de-sac. There's nothing magical about that place, but it, it is a, a memory of mine. I remember standing there, pacing back and forth, having a conversation about two verses out of 1 Peter and how we are living that out as a family, and frankly, how we're not living it out very well. That's. Uh, as we all know, uh, yeah, we're not perfect. We're all in process. And so, this is going to be a real life uh, kind of invite you over to our, our living room, kind of roar family conversation. We're going to adopt okay. you for 20 minutes and uh, let you in on, on what's going on in our lives and how we're trying to live this out in our family. And frankly, it's not just about our family. This is, this is, right up uh, all of our alleys, exactly what we need to be hearing, I believe, in this season and in this time. There's obviously uncertainty all around us. And I love the book of First Peter because it's written to a, a, an audience who were in a place that was very uncertain. They were facing persecution. Our scenario might be different, but the uncertainty is still there. Um, and, and so today, as we dive in, um, I just want to just take a minute and pray and ask God to speak to each of us right where we are at. This is part of our story, but this is really part of our bigger story of what Jesus is up to and what he wants to invite all of us into. So Jesus, as we take a few moments and dive into the scriptures, I pray that you would speak to us, God, that you would in, make these scriptures come alive to us, mm-hmm. that this wouldn't just be some text on a screen or a text on a page, but Jesus, that this, this would be something that is living inside of us. And God, as we, we dive into this today, I pray that you would speak to each one of us right where we're at. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're jumping in towards the end of 1 Peter, and uh, we're starting with just, just these two verses here. I'd love to read them together. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, it says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. I, I think about humility, and uh, the opposite of that is arrogance, it's being full of yourself, it's thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to. And, uh, and then I think about humility, and, and uh, this, is, this is having a, a, a right assessment of who you are, viewing yourself appropriately, not thinking of yourself too highly. And, but how do we get to humility? What does it look like for us to, to take a pathway, if you will, or a process to, to finding uh, humility in Christ? And I think there are two, two general pathways that, um, that I see, and one is a dangerous one, I would say a false pathway, and then one is, is one that I believe that God would want us to take. The first one is this, we can try to take a middle road between thinking too highly of ourselves or thinking too low of ourselves. And for most of human history, societies at large have uh, warned us, and it's been kind of ingrained in all of us, that we shouldn't t- think too highly of ourselves because often behavior that comes out of that is abusive towards others. It's taking advantage of other people because we think we're better than them. And more recently, in the 20th century, in Western cultures, it's almost like we have flip-flopped that and we have said that thinking too low of yourself, that's where unhealthy habits happen that's where harm to self and others comes from and i think both are biblically are are both biblically unhealthy as well if we think too highly of ourselves then we can find ourselves putting our own self in the place of god through idolatry and if we think too low of ourselves man we're created in the image of god we are god's kids god does not want us to think of ourselves and a low sort of self-esteem. But how does this play out when it comes to humility? Again, often I find in my own life, I try to to balance this. It's like I'm on a tightrope walking over Niagara Falls. I'm trying so hard not to fall off. And some days I find that I think too highly of myself. Man, I'm firing on all cylinders. Things are going great. And I start to take too much credit for that. And I start to lean this way. And then nope, nope, nope. I, I remember scriptures such as Romans 12. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but think of yourself in sober judgment. So I get myself back up on this tightrope, and I'm I'm just focused in on, I need to be humble, I need to be humble. And then one day, man, things just aren't going well. I'm struggling in life. And I start to think too low of myself, and I start slipping off this way. And nope, I've got to remind myself I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. I get myself back up on this tightrope, and I'm trying to, to walk this tightrope of humility. And while both of those scriptures are obviously true. and while we shouldn't be thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to or thinking too little of ourselves, what I find in my life, if I'm trying to find a pathway of humility in this 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 balancing act, what happens is I just start focusing on what? My own self. That's literally the end of this whole thing is I just start to become, inward focused. I start to look just inside and I start to get on this treadmill of I have to try harder, I have to try harder, and every day I feel like a failure. I don't know if you've ever felt that way when it comes to humility, but man that just seems like a pathway to destruction and a pathway to discouragement. A pathway that is all about focus being fixated on me and my performance. I think there's another pathway C.S. Lewis has really helped me as I've processed through what does it look like to be humble and how do I become humble as Peter is encouraging us to. C.S. Lewis wrote this in Mere Christianity. Do not imagine that if you meet a really humble man, he will be what most people call humble nowadays. He will not be a sort of greasy, smarmy person who is always telling you that, of course, I'm nobody. Probably all you will think about him is that he seemed a cheerful, intelligent person who took a real interest in what you said to him. Catch this, he will not be thinking about humility. In fact, he will not be thinking about himself at all. One pathway that we can try to take that I believe leads to just a, a, a des- destructive sort of pattern in our lives, a trying harder, trying harder, failing, trying hard is we try to walk this tightrope, and we try to, in our own strength, just say, I can't think too highly, I, ca- I can't think too low. The other is this, hey, we take the focus off ourselves completely. To distill this down, C.S. Lewis is saying, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's just thinking of yourself less. Man, if we could grab a hold of that, Humility, what Peter is calling us to, and really what God is inviting us to, is a a life where our, our focus is not on ourself, but our focus is on something or someone else. And Peter continues here. Think of yourself less, or humble yourself, under the mighty hand of God. Here's the deal, we can fixate on ourselves and how poorly we're doing at this balance beam of humility, or we can fix our eyes on who? On God. Fix our eyes on the mighty hand of God. Remember, Peter is writing to people who are full of uncertainty, people who are facing persecution, people who are trying to figure out how to live their life in a very difficult time. And he says, Humble yourself, think less of yourself, and focus your energy and your attention on the mighty hand of God. I I know for me as a man, handshakes are really, really important. I can't speak from a woman's perspective, but I can't speak from a man's perspective. If somebody shakes my hand, if another man shakes my hand and it's really flimsy, that says something to me about that person. You can judge me if you want and say that's wrong, but that's just the reality of it. But if I walk up to somebody and they have a firm handshake, they look me in the eye, I can trust this person, I can trust this man. So when it comes to uh, handshakes, I remember a moment where um, one of the the guys that we work with on a regular basis, uh, his name is Jake, and Jake is uh, not really a man. He's like a titan. He's (laughs) massive. His hands could basically crush my face. And I remember the first time I met Jake, here I am. I'm walking up to him, cool as a cucumber on the outside. I reach out my hand and inside I'm like, oh dear God, please don't crush my hand. Oh my goodness. But fortunately, he didn't break my hand. But man, I think about Jake, he's this big guy, he's strong, he's got strong hands. Then I think about God, the mighty hand of God. Deuteronomy 28 speaks of this, the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. Here's the deal, every time this term mighty hand or the outstretched arm of God is is referred to in scripture, it's always about God bringing victory, particularly with the children of Egypt, the people, or the children of Israel coming out of the land of Egypt. This great salvation story that we see in the scriptures. So when Peter is saying humble yourself, think of yourself less, focus more on the mighty hand of God in this time of uncertainty, we have to remember that our God is a God who saves. Our God is a God who brings victory. And Peter continues, Humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Some translate that lift you up. It's this idea of being rescued. I know I have my own time that I want God to rescue me. I have my own time that I want the uncertainty to end. I have my own time where I want the suffering or whatever circumstance I'm finding myself in. I know when I was standing up on the top of Tumwater Hill in the cul-de-sac, I knew that was the moment I wanted it to end. But God wants us to humble ourselves, submit to his power, submit to his leadership so that at his timing, he can lift us up. What I love about this first verse that we're looking at here today is this is basically the story of Jesus. Jesus paves the way for us in this. He gives us the example for what this looks like. Jesus, it says in Philippians chapter 2, a, ver- a, a chapter I, I reference all the time. Whenever I'm, I'm needing some sort of certainty, I, I look to this. When I'm feeling like there's uncertainty in my life, I remind myself of who Jesus is. It says this, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And Watch this pattern here. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself which is what Peter told us to do, by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross, submitting to God's authority. We see this in the garden right before he's going on trial to be crucified. He says, I don't want to do this, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He humbled himself. He submitted to the mighty hand of God. And then what happens here in Philippians chapter two, because of this, therefore God exalted Jesus. Here's the thing. We are in a time of uncertainty. We all are facing different levels of uncertainty, different aspects of of the shifts in our culture have created uh, varying degrees of uncertainty for all of us. But here's the thing, we are followers of Jesus. And what this passage is telling us to do is to literally model our lives after Jesus' example. Isn't that what we're to do as followers of Jesus? We don't tack Jesus on to our lives to make our lives better. Rather, our task, our goal, our privilege, and our mission is to rather live the story of Jesus in our everyday lives. And so Peter encourages us, he commands us, humble yourselves, stop thinking of yourself so much, remember the mighty hand of God so that the proper time in God's timing, he will exalt you.
0: Yes, I think that a lot of times we love the idea of following Christ's example of humility, but in reality, it's really hard to do because it causes us to shine a light on all the areas of our life, even the ones we don't care to see the truth in. And in those areas, we tend to try to hide and to avoid them. But we've done that since the beginning of time. Adam and Eve, that's what they did. When they messed up, they tried to hide from God. But we cannot hide from God because He created us, and He knows us, and He sees us, and He cares for us. One of my favorite quotes is, God loves us the way we are, but too much to leave us that way. This is where I think humility comes into play. If we really want to follow Christ's example, we must humble ourselves, casting our cares on him." This is the advice Peter was giving to the Christians in 1 Peter. He realized the pain and the suffering that they were going through. Although it's not specifically said in the, in the scriptures, we all believe that that's what he's talking about when he talks about these ca- casting these cares and these anxieties on him. And he was trying to encourage them to remember Christ's example by humbling themselves, and casting those cares on them. See, casting your cares and humility go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Casting your cares is a result of humility. And as we humble ourselves, it's easier to throw those things onto the Lord. And that's exactly what casting means, is to throw off. And God wants us to throw off our cares and our anxieties onto Him and to follow Him because He cares for us. He cares for us. And in Matthew 6, 25 through 34, Jesus talks about this and how we don't need to worry because God cares for us. And he says, verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or your about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? God is basically saying, Why? are you wasting your time worrying about such silly things? Why are you wasting your time? In verse 26, he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in the barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the fields, which are here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. If God can care for these birds and these flowers that do absolutely nothing, if he cares for them and he provides for them, why should we doubt that he will provide for us? There's this song called Man of Your Word. And one of the lyrics he says in there is, God has not failed and he's not going to start with me. And I was, as I was listening to that song, I was laughing because I was like, wow, we so often think, oh, but we're the exception. What makes us so special that we're <laughs> the exception that God will not care for us? It reminds me even of being a parent. You know, I have the four, the four boys, and between spilt milk and dropping your sandwich on the floor, and I can't find my underwear or my socks, and they come running to me hysterical, and it's the end of the world, right? They get so driven by this worry or this fear. And so many times I've had to calm them down and get on my knee and look them in the face and say, has mama ever not taken care of you? Has mama never not taken care of you? And I think that God is saying this in these verses. He is saying, has your heavenly father ever not taken care of you? So why are you worrying? Because. I know what you need." He knows. He knows what we need. And he cares about what we need, right? He cares about us. And he may not do it the way we want, and he doesn't value all the worldly things that maybe we value, but he promises to provide for our daily needs. And I have found these scriptures to be very true in my life not because I've read them, but because I've experienced God in ways that align with these scriptures. I could tell you story after story after story of His provision, of His protection, of His healing. And because of these experiences, it's easy for me to cast these cares on Him. Easy. But the cool thing about God is he doesn't only care about our body and what our bodies need. He cares about us as a whole, Mm -hmm. including the heart. And friends, the heart is where I struggle to put 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 into action and to trust and to lean in and to throw off my cares. So I'd like to share a story with you. I'm going to grab something real fast my heart being the area that I struggle with. Um, so this right here with this cup represents who I am. These are my cares. These are my, my dreams, my worries, my fears, anything like that, this, is, this represents me. And at a young age, I learned to trust in God and to cast my cares onto Him. I learned that at a young age. And as I continued to grow in Him, and let Him have control, He continued to speak into my life. He gave me dreams and visions, and He spoke things over me in my life, right? He spoke things over me in my life, but He wasn't the only one, right? And sometimes in my life, I had words that were hurtful and that were painful that were said to me, and instead of keeping my eyes focused on Him and casting those on Him, I took those things off, and I tried my best to manage those things in my life on my own, but what I came to realize when I was trying to manage all this on my own is that those hurts became even stronger and more powerful the longer I held on, and I had to decide that I was going to cast all, not just some of my cares, but all of my cares, and all those things in my heart, I had to cast them back onto him. And as I did again, he took control, and he continued to speak into my life. He continued to speak into my life. And I remember a time when I went to a worship service, and I was praying, and I just felt this overwhelming peace and this love that I couldn't quite explain. And I was sitting there just praying. And as I was doing that, the pastor came up and started to talk to the whole congregation. And he said, someone here has been hurt by words and has let go of the dreams that God has given you. And I knew as soon as the word dreams was said, I was like, he's talking to me. He's talking to me. And in that moment, it was like I got flooded with all of these visions and all these dreams and all these words that have been spoken over to me just flooded my mind and reminded me once again of who God is calling me to be. And to think that was enough, you know, I'm like, okay, God, you're talking to me. That wasn't enough apparently because the pastor all of a sudden turns and pivots and looks right at me and points his hand at me and says, Chantel, I think this is for you. And I was like, Okay, got it. But that's not where it stopped because God wants us to know that he cares, right? So he calls me out of my seat and says, Chantel, I need you to come to the front. And he made me walk in front of everybody. And this is before COVID, friends. This is before COVID. He made me walk in front of everybody and they laid their hands on me and they prayed for me and they prayed encouragement over me. That day I knew that God spoke over my life. And he reminded me that he cares for me. And that he has not forgotten me. See, when we remember, when we remember who God is and realize how much he loves us, it is easy to cast our cares on him. And there is a freedom that comes when we humble ourselves before him and say, not my will, but yours be done.
1: So this is our family conversation. And um, we're uh, just sharing openly, honestly, candidly about how we are processing through uh, these two verses. Like we've said, this is an active conversation, and frankly, we're nowhere near finishing this conversation. This is uh, basically a lifelong conversation for us and our family. We're focused on on two main things when it comes to to these verses. The first thing that's just stood out to us that we are constantly coming back to, first of these is is the fact that there's only one command in these two verses. That's it. Some translations will translate uh, the the first. Uh, word of the second verse as cast your cares, but a more accurate uh, translation would be casting your cares. So the, the deal is our only job in these two verses is to humble ourselves. That's it. I get stressed out on all the uncertainty that we might be facing. And I'm sure you're facing uncertainty, too, where our anxiety just goes through the roof. We're trying to figure out what we're supposed to do. You know what our only job is to do when it comes to our anxiety is just to humble ourselves before the Lord under his mighty hand, knowing he cares for us. We are in this process of humility. We are casting our cares. That's just the result of our humility. Nothing more, nothing less. So for our family, I, I, I know the more we humble ourselves, the more automatic, the more natural it is to have our anxieties and worries submit to him. I don't want to get caught up in trying harder to walk this tightrope of humility and thinking, Am I thinking too much of myself or too little of myself. My focus just needs to be thinking on myself less and rather just thinking of God and his amazing provision and his amazing power that he displays as he, in his timing, rescues us. The second thing we keep coming back to in this text is that following Jesus just simply means living this story. This pattern, this is the Christian life. We didn't sign up for an easy life as followers of Jesus. We didn't sign up so that he would make our lives better. We signed up to literally follow the pattern of Jesus, and that's what we have here. So whenever I face uncertainty, I remember the uncertainty, the, the pain, the suffering that Jesus went through. I remember the, the pain and suffering that these folks went through as Peter's writing to them. I remember that Jesus humbled himself. I remember that he submitted to the mighty hand of God. And even though I love this out of Psalm 23, one of the most famous passages, but it's a reminder to us, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me through all of this is we humble ourselves just like Jesus did. We submit to God. And in it all, God cares for us and he will come to our rescue. Not in the exact way we expect often, not in the exact timing we expect, but God will come through because why? He cares for us. Not just our physical needs. He cares about our hearts, our souls, our dreams, our passions as we submit and humble ourselves before him. So as we wrap up today, this is our conversation, this is our life. Like I said, whenever Peter invites us to come speak, this is uh, what he says. Just speak whatever's burning on your hearts, whatever's deep inside of your, your spirit. So for us, we're focusing on, there's just one thing we need to do is just humble ourselves. And we're focusing on, maybe things are a little chaotic. Well, this is just the pattern of Jesus. We're just going to live the pattern of Jesus as his followers. What is it for you? What are you uncertain about? Right now, as you're sitting at home with your family, maybe you have some friends around you, maybe you're taking a walk, whatever you're doing, driving, what is it for you? What is the uncertainty for you right now? I want you to think about that. What is the uncertainty for you? And then number two, what does it look like to choose humility over anxiety? How can you, sometimes I will actually put a rubber band around my wrist, and anytime I feel like I'm getting off track with something, it's just a reminder. And I'll snap my arm, not to hurt myself, but just as a physical reminder. Maybe it's putting something on the mirror. Maybe it's putting this scripture in front of your dash, not over your speedometer, because you can't (laughs) say that uh, when you get pulled over that Brad told you to do this, and, and I'm not gonna pay your ticket, but putting it somewhere where it's, it's a reminder. So what are you uncertain about right now? And what does it look like for you to choose humility over anxiety? You don't need to strive. You don't need to work harder. What we need to do is think less about us and focus more on our powerful God and what he is capable of and what he is doing in our lives. So I'm going to pray. And then you can discuss those questions with your family, your friends, and continue to ponder them as we close out today. God, thank you that you are calling us to a life Um, that is dependent on you. We really are very small in the grand scheme of things, and you are giant. Your mighty hand is bigger than anything we could ever imagine. So God, I pray over the uncertainties, I pray over the worries, I pray over the anxieties, everything that we are all facing, God, that we would submit to you, we would choose to humble ourselves under your mighty hand and trust in you. Casting our cares on you because we know that you care for us. Amen. Amen.